0: Yeah, there were multiple times during today 's podcast that I almost had to pause take i did I even take a deep breath uh, I was about to to choke up This was such a meaningful conversation, and it 's our second installment with one of my favorite ruckus makers out there, Jessica Gamble. She really unpacks her mastermind experience that 's something that we 're doing more and more often on the podcast because the mastermind is this special space it 's transforming professional development for school leaders. It's helping them become even more effective, but it's connecting them to a powerful network. You don't have to lead alone. You don't have to look at your colleagues and peers or your supervisor. When you see the future of education and the exciting things you know we can do, I know we can do it too. But it's in those spaces with colleagues, peers, supervisors, they look at you like you are crazy. Have you ever felt that way? You won't feel that way in the mastermind. We're your people. We're ruckus makers. So, anyways, it's really cool just to hear her story, how she's grown. And if you've ever thought about joining, I think you'll have a little more clarity about what that experience is like. Hey, it's Danny. I am a principal development and retention expert, founder of Better Leaders, Better Schools, which I started in 2015. And this show is made for you, a ruckus maker, which means you invest in your continuous growth, you challenge the status quo, you design the future of school now. And we'll get to the main content of today's episode right after these messages from our show sponsors. Learn how to recruit, develop, retain, and inspire outstanding individuals and teams to deliver on the vision of your school in leading people. A certificate in school management and leadership course from Harvard. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Last year, teachers using TeachFX increased their student talk by an average of 40%. TeachFX uses AI to help teachers see the power of high leverage teaching practices in their own classroom level data. It's like having a personal instructional coach on your phone, your tablet, or laptop. Start your free pilot at teachfx.com slash better leaders. Why do students struggle? I'd argue that they lack access to quality instruction, but think about it. That's totally out of their control. What if there was something we could teach kids then? What if there was something within their control that would help them be successful in every class? And it's not a magic pill or a figment of your imagination. When students internalize executive functioning skills, they succeed. Check out the new self-paced online course brought to you by our friends at Organized Binder that shows teachers how to equip their students with executive functioning skills. You can learn more at organizedbinder.com go. Well, hey, ruckus makers. I am so excited to speak today and to introduce you to my, my friend and a really inspirational leader, Jessica Gamble. And she graduated from Harvard, or excuse me, Howard University, which is located in Washington, DC. Jessica's a huge supporter of historically black colleges and universities. She is married with two children, Kevin and Kai, who are uh, maybe unofficial mastermind members and uh, some of our favorite people to see on the screen. Uh, Jessica's favorite place to visit is Jamaica, so I know where I need to host uh, the next live event. She loves it so much, she's been there five times, and she loves to get her nails done. She always uses unique colors, and she never matches her fingers and toes. When Jessica was growing up, her parents owned a balloon event decorating company, so now she can make any space into a party place. While she lived in D.C., she worked with the Washington Wizards and the Mystics. And she was the captain of the fan patrol for five seasons, loving to get the crowd engaged in all sorts of outrageous ways. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, uh, this is super, super exciting to have you on the podcast. And next week we'll feature you as a mastermind, uh, case study too. And there's so many things to talk about. Uh, I think one of the interesting things about you is how you incorporate family into the school experience, right? And not necessarily like obviously you you connect with families of your students, right, of your staff, that kind of thing. But I'm talking about blood family, like Kevin and Kai, and then you know uh, your, your parents, right, and that kind of thing. So can you talk to me a bit about how you do incorporate them into the school experience?
1: Sure. So both of my children go to Riverside with me. Uh Kevin is in fourth grade. He's been here since kindergarten, which was my first year. Kai is in first grade and she's been here since pre-K. So before like getting married and having kids, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. So even like as a little kid, like if people ask you, what did you want to do? Like, I want to be a teacher. And then as I got older, I would say, I want to be a teacher and a principal and a superintendent. Like, Literally my entire life, like this is this, what I'm living is, was exactly the dream that I had as a kid, but also as a dream, I always wanted my kids to go to school with me to go either in the building that I was teaching or the building that I would lead. And so I'm kind of living out my life like childhood dream right now. So it's, it's kind of cool. Both of my parents are retired and my father-in-law moved here from Washington, D.C. about two and a half years ago to be closer to us. And so I completely have my family roped into everything that happens here at school. So my parents and my father-in-law run the book there, They twice a year. They run the winter holiday gift shop. Uh, both of my parents are currently mentors for a program we have here in Cleveland called True to You, where we mentor eighth graders on their path into high school. So they're mentoring one of my eighth grade classes. My dad participates in any class event that either of my kids have going on as a volunteer and he is a well sought after volunteer. Every year we do a a winter giving tree and my mom does all of the wrapping and tagging for those events. My father-in-law is what they did field day for me. So typically whatever I need my family to do, they do happily and graciously. I think part of it is my parents Are watching their own child's dreams come true. And how could you not want to sit, sit there and watch that from the front row? And my core value is family. So I preach that to my staff. Uh, Actually today, one of my staff members' daughters was here helping out. I, I allow my staff to bring their children all the time, uh, to be here in the building. And so I'm very lucky that my family lives close and they're willing to support and my students are obsessed with my parents and my father and mom. Absolutely obsessed. They like to know stories, what I yeah. was like as a kid. What did yeah. I do that was wrong? My students, My my. I'm biracial and mixed. So my father is black and my mom is white. It trips my students out to say that that's my mom because my mom is a redhead. And there's like, your Mrs. gambles, why? And so it brings me absolute joy to have them here in the building with me as often as possible.
0: Yeah, what a what a gift! And I, I was I was going to ask. I, I want to learn a little more about the True to You program because, in my mind, amazing that you have both parents with you. Uh, you know, that's that's certainly not my reality. And then the the fact that uh, they're so engaged, right? They have so much wisdom and experience, right, to share with people. And I was curious if if you leverage that. So uh, I'm going to ask you a question in just a second, but I want to share my story. So I would bring my mom. She's been to every school where I've worked, right? And uh, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't have done this, but <laughs> back when I was a teacher, I mean, I guess they're, they're kids, so they weren't like, oh, that's obviously his mom. They probably just thought like a sub or something, you know, some type of assistant. Uh, but I remember first year teaching, mom's in the back. She might even be like doing something quintessentially like mom-like, like knitting or some, something <laughs> in the background. But I remember there was a kid, I don't know the kid or what the situation was, but I remember like this kid not responding to redirection. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do, right? Like this is not going good. And instead of the principal's office, I sent the kid to the back of the room. I said, you have to go sit by my mother. And all the students, it had dawned on them. They didn't realize that's my mom. But once they realized, oh, Mr. Bauer's mom, nobody, I class was perfect, right? For the last like three days, she visited. So, okay, tr- I think you called it "true to true to you." Is that right? Mm-hmm, true so, to you, yeah, amazing. So here, here's your uh, father and father-in-law. I think you said helping out. I could be wrong, but yeah, t- talk to us about that mentorship program and what, what what's going on there.
1: So, uh, true to you is a district initiative. I, a long, I've been with the district six years, so at least it's been going on for six years. So part of the the Cleveland has a portfolio high school model. So many of our high schools have models. So students can and have the ability to pick high schools that are more aligned to their likes and their desires or what they see themselves doing in the future. So through True to You, the students take a variety of what's called Naviance assessments that kind of helps categorize like, what are you kind of into? And like, what do you see yourself doing in the future? And then through the True to You program, they they talk about financial literacy. They talk about high school choice. The mentors engage with them in a variety of SCL activities once a month for two hours. They go on a college field trip. So my students are going to be going on a college visit in the next couple of weeks. I think it's in April to see a college campus. And then the mentors kind of help them them guide, you know, what their likes are into potentially what might be the best fit high school for them within our district. They do form a partnership and like a, a relationship with the students and the adults. And then also the mentors have an opportunity to recommend three students every, every year that they think should participate in a summer work program at Cleveland State University, where they're kind of involved in some leadership opportunities and it's a paid summer internship. And so The district is always looking for true-to-you mentors. They do frequently partner with companies like Sherwin-Williams or, you know, Marriott or some companies that have philanthropy goals or givebacks. They also take just regular volunteers that are interested. And so my parents were business owners in the city of Cleveland for over 25 years. They ran a very successful business my entire childhood and adult life in the city. And I thought that they would be wonderful mentors for my eighth graders. They did raise two kids that they both sent to college and are wonderful grandparents currently to four amazing kiddos. And they completely love being mentors. I love it because my dad's always preparing. Like I'm getting ready, I'm getting my PowerPoint ready for the students. And so, and my students get a complete trip out of the fact that they're looking at my parents every month. And typically on that day, they say, Your parents were here today. I'm like, I know. Their stuff was in my office. I, I saw them. Your mom's coming tomorrow. Like, I know. I, and so they, it trips them out because I am very similar to my mom in mannerisms or like I really patterned her. So it, I guess I never think twice about involving my family in school. And it's turned out to be a good thing. And in another like passion avenue for my parents who are retired, like, what a cool way to give back to students and talk about your successes and how you, how you got there. Cause n- neither of my parents have a college degree.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Uh, and so like that story, I think is important for my students too.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, schools these days, especially sort of frame college as the only way to success, but that's not true, you know? And so that's cool that they can share from experience, you know, okay, we didn't go to college, but we ran these businesses and, you know, very successful. And obviously, they have these dynamic personalities because the kids are so interested in what's going on. You know, with uh, Mama and Papa Jessica. One of the things I want to say to the ruckus maker listening too. So this is like an ideal situation, right? And maybe, maybe your relationship with parents is troubled, or uh, maybe they're not even around, right? Like and could come to the school, whether that's location or age or whatever. But even if that's the case, I what your story highlights, Jessica, is that. Ruckus makers don't realize that they're uh, a character to their students and to their staff, right? Your parents are a part of your story, obviously, in the character that's Jessica. And so I just want to encourage people to be intentional about like, well, how do they get to know you, right? And they're they're able to get to know you better through your parents a little bit, but also because you're a very, very open and authentic leader too. And so it's like, hey, if you're not telling your school story, the community will tell that story. If you're, It seems true about you. If you're not telling your story, they're going to tell the story about you. So it can be bringing your parents, but it could also be like, what are your values? Uh, what do you stand for? Stand against? You know, all this kind of stuff. And that's all I'll say there. But that that is uh, that's pretty fun. I almost like I wish it was a TV show. To be honest, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that would be fascinating just to just to watch. And I would totally subscribe. Okay, so if you start a YouTube. About that, or start a TV deal, let me know. I'll I'll be the first subscriber. Gonna write it. Yeah, for sure.
1: Gonna write it down as an idea.
0: And we can jam about that as an idea too later. Cause I mean, actually, the last thing I'll say, then we'll probably go to a break and bring you back. But again, so if this is a, if this is like sort of a popular topic, your parents, like with the students and maybe even with parents in the community and that kind of thing, uh, there could be so many creative ways to tell that story that people would want to tune into. And now people who might have been a little less engaged in the school or whatever might be tuning in. to like what you need to be telling them, you know, public service announcements and here's what's going on, just because you really amplify that really sweet relationship you have with parents and then uh, the, the students and everyone. So, all right, place a pin. If you want to do a coaching call with me on that, we can totally do that. We're gonna get in a message from our sponsors, but when we come back, I want the Ruckus Maker to stick around because you're really good at navigating hard conversations and you've been focused on that since COVID with your staff. And uh, obviously, uh, the Ruckus Maker listening can benefit. So we'll be right back. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is proudly sponsored by Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. I know many Mastermind members and many Ruckus Makers who listen to this show that have gone through the program and have loved the experience. But don't just take it from me. Let's hear how some of the Harvard faculty describe the impact and their heart for this program. I deeply believe that
1: every single person on this planet has superpowers, and it is our job as educators to tap into them and unleash them. Learn more about the program and
0: apply at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. You know what student engagement sounds like? Students ask questions, they build on each other's ideas. The classroom's alive with conversation. Creating that kind of classroom is much easier said than done. TeachFX helps teachers make it happen. Their AI provides teachers with insights into high leverage teaching practices like how much student talk happened, which questions got students talking. TeachFX is like giving each teacher their own on-demand instructional coach to help them boost student engagement in learning as well as their own. It's eye-opening for teachers and scales the impact of every coach and principal. Ruckus Makers can start a free pilot with your teachers today. Go to teachfx.com BLBS to launch a free pilot for your school. Again, start that free pilot by visiting teachfx.com. Slash BLBS today. As students progress through their K 12 experience, schoolwork only gets harder and more complex. Yet at the same time, students are asked to be more independent in their learning. Young people struggling with executive functioning skills will fall further and further behind. The pandemic, let's be real, it's only made things worse. The remedy is found in equipping students with executive functioning skills. Our friends at Organized Binder have released a new self-paced course, and it teaches you how to teach these executive functioning skills and set up your students for success. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com go and start setting up your students for success today. Again, that's over at OrganizedBinder.com slash go. All right. And we're we're back with the amazing Jessica Gamble, one of my favorite leaders of all time. And we're talking about family. And really, We really riffed on that for the first half of the uh, podcast, but I think it was a rich conversation. I know it was. Uh, and so where I want to take things now is I don't want to necessarily say it's negative, but you, you have to have tough conversations, right? As a school leader, it's going to happen. And to be honest, like it's a weakness of mine. I've had to really work hard at it uh, because it doesn't come naturally. But you've been hosting these uh, hard conversation series, right? Since COVID started. And could you just sort of talk about, you know, what that series is and like some of the topics you've covered and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. So... Obviously, the year that we were out for remote, my my district was remote for almost the entire school year until March. You have to find all these interesting ways to connect to your staff through, through a Zoom call right every single week. But one of the biggest things that COVID highlighted in Cleveland, and, and typically Cleveland bounces between number one and number two of the poorest cities for children in the country, is how inequitable. COVID exasperated so many things. So how many of our families had no access to internet? Our families had no access to school supplies, desks, computers, food, housing insecurity. All these things were like hyper-focused, right? It was, it was glaringly obvious in a remote setting more than it ever was when we had students in the school building. Obviously, when we had students in person, you could visibly potentially see the families who struggled. But when you're looking into people's living rooms every single day, it was obvious how many families were struggling. And I just think that brought up a lot of conversations when when people were making comments about why families weren't doing certain things. Like what's happening in our homes in the suburbs is very different than what's happening with some of our families and and in their homes. And so we started just having conversations about just inequities and bias in general. We did a, a... quite a few staff meeting sessions on bias. We took the Harvard implicit bias test. We did anonymous Padlets so people could respond on how those tests made them feel and did some background on how those tests were developed and really stretched the staff to think about beyond racial bias that we have bias about everything. And all of our bias comes from like how we were raised in our traditional environment and that we're not here to, to to pinpoint everyone's bias because I have bias, right? Even as the school leader. But it is for us to stop, slow down and recognize that maybe before we make a comment or we make a decision that we check our bias and we think about, is that coming from a place of like love and care or is that coming from a place of like my previous, you know, kind of my previous experiences? So we we did a lot around that. You know, that year, January 6th happened. And we engaged in quite a few conversations with our students around that. And, and frankly, had some parents that were very upset with the conversations that our students were having with their teachers. And so we kind of did some talks around Black Lives Matter, around that movement, about what January 6th meant to all of our school community, because we also had a group of students whose parents never talked about it. But they, they literally were not having that conversation. Then we had a group of kids whose parents were having the conversation from one view, right, political view, and a a group of parents were having that conversation with their children with another political view and then help them navigate like how, what is our job and what is our role when something like this comes up, right? We're not here to sway kids' opinions, but we are here to give them both sides of the story. That kind of then turned into conversations about pronouns and conversations in support of the LGBTQ community. We partnered with the LGBTQ Center of Greater Cleveland on a variety and a series of sessions and safe zone trained our entire staff, but then also took it a step further and realized we have a very large Arabic population and did a special session with some community members from the Arabic and the Muslim community on what being in the LGBTQ community means to them and, and, and so that we can get a better grasp and understanding of how it affects our staff and our students. We have pretty much tackled every conversation, some much easier, some much harder. I think we always say about hard conversations that some hard conversations for people are very easy. Some people love talking about race and that's an easy conversation. But then we switch over to talking about pronouns in L- the LGBTQ community. And that's a very uncomfortable, hard conversation. And so we have been very dedicated to continuing that work. At this point, the topics don't come from, uh, my co-leader and I. They come from the staff and what bubbles up with them or concerns they have. So like I have a list on my board actually right now next to my desk. We just tackled hair and hair culture in the black community. We have code switching coming up next, gracious, gracious assumptions and doing doubling back to some safe zone reminders as we've had some things kind of pop up that we need to double back on uncomfortable. Yeah, empowering and challenging.
0: Yeah, yeah. As in a joke, it doesn't sound like you know uh, any topic was off limits, and you've really done a great job digging into that and leaning into it. It's way better than sticking your head in the sand, you know, clicking your heels together, and wishing the stuff reality didn't exist. But that's not that's not the path of the ruckus maker. Talk talk to me about format. So obviously on Zoom during COVID and the the early days, but now is it in person with step?
1: Great question. So even last year we did Zoom staff meetings because we were still at a post covid world, if that's even a phrase. This year we've done a combination of the two. Some, I know most recently in the hair and the hair culture, we started one week on Zoom and we watched a video and left some reflection questions out there. And then last week we joined in person and we mixed the whole staff up to answer those reflection questions at about 16 different groups. They had about 12 minutes to discuss the questions and kind of like, you know, dig in and and think about what the video, what they saw and what they've been thinking about. I think it's just a combination. I do feel like in this regard, doing it on Zoom happened to be actually a very safe space because you went around your peers. You could sit and you could think in a private place to you. And really have some time to kind of sit in your uncomfortable feelings if it was a topic that was uncomfortable for you. The anonymous Padlet, I think, was beyond beneficial because you could say exactly how you were feeling without fear of people knowing what the comment was. So you could be very open and transparent. We did do some like group breakout rooms, you know, on Zoom where they would get into rooms and speak with their peers. And we always really try to stay out of those spaces. We we try to allow them to dialogue with their colleagues and their peers and their friends without putting ourselves in that space with them. I think when, sometimes when we're not there, they can have more of a transparent conversation where if we are there, they don't want to say something that, that we might judge them on. And so it, I would never change anything that we've done. I wish we could do it more because new topics are always coming up yeah so speaking
0: to to go with speaking of that, so you have your list on the whiteboard. How do people submit a topic? Is it like Google form or something or how do how do you get those from staff?
1: So most of the time people either send us an email or come talk to us directly. Most of the topics up there were people who came and spoke to us directly. Uh, I consider us to be very a transparent leadership team, and so we did have a Google form a year ago where we asked people to submit topics for hard conversations, but to be honest with you, nobody really submitted anything.
0: Interesting. Do you have some sort of protocol to to follow or something? These are obviously can be highly charged topics. And I'm sure the staff uh might not always agree, right, on what the best approach is. And so how do you facilitate a conversation where there's real dialogue and real understanding and real listening versus you know just people yell people yelling at each other
1: It's a great question and we definitely have had some heated conversations so when we first started having hard conversations we used a model I, I'm, and now my mind I'm pretty sure it was called the flex model but I'm sorry like I I the first one was focus on within so the first set of conversations we had were all based on focusing on you like thinking about you, your your background, your upbringing, things that you've encountered, your life experiences. And then it was like listening about others, right? So now that you've kind of focused on within and you've identified some of your own biases, your conscious and unconscious biases, then we were going to listen about others. And then we were going to explore and experience what others were going through. And so I I do feel as though the staff is very respectful and transparent with one another. I do have some staff members that share more than others in a setting where it's open to talk. They share more. We have found that when the groups are smaller, they share more. So when the groups are like three or four, the dialogue can be extremely, not, I don't even say passionate, but the dialogue is a lot more than when there's six, seven, eight or nine people in a group, then people's voices get lost. And so we have not had like any screaming matches. I'm very happy about that. I think that everybody here respects. But I also think I have a very uh, a staff who's very much open about learning about others, especially when you're in a diverse building like our building. Anytime we have conversations regarding like our Arabic community or our Muslim community, it's so empowering to our staff. And we learn so much about that culture that they want to participate so that we can best su- support those families and those students.
0: Awesome. Uh, If you haven't submitted a proposal to speak on this topic at a conference, I really think you should uh, consider that because it's certainly fascinating. I've got a million more questions, but we're, we're, we're short on time. And I know the Ruckus Maker listening will be really interested in what we're talking about too. All right, cool. So let's say you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for one day. What would Jessica's message be?
1: If you love them, they will come.
0: And how about building your dream school, right? If if you were doing that, uh, there were no constraints in terms of resources. Your only limitation was your imagination. What would be the three guiding principles building this dream school?
1: Oh, my gosh. Three guiding principles on building this dream school. I would definitely be focused on equity making sure that every student had something that they needed to be successful. Uh, I am in a building right now where I have students with a variety of autism, and I'm always looking for more things so that the playing field is level. So equity would be a guiding principle. This sounds kind of silly, but color. Uh, I think that color is such an avenue to happiness. And when you see colors that you connect to, it it, it makes you happy. And the last would be green space.
0: Awesome. Well, we covered a lot of, well, we went deep on, I think, actually two topics. But of everything we discussed today, you know, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember?
1: I would say bet on yourself. Don't be afraid to be bold and jump out there. You're sitting in that seat for a reason. And so bet on yourself. You are the best person for the job for a reason.
0: Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.